Hello. Hi, 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 hi. So if you're listening in real time, it is a holiday week. And I am personally going to try to get off the computer and hang with family and friends and read books and do all of those lovely things as much as possible. But I do want to do one podcast this week. Who knows? I might do one more. I I don't know. I don't know. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. But I wanted to get this out there because I think it is such a beautiful thing to listen to as we all try to unplug a little bit more for the holiday season. And this isn't yet another episode where I whine about how I want to quit Instagram. This is an episode about someone who has actually done it. Someone who can tell us what life is like on the other side of social media. See, the writer Marley Grace has actually quit the Instagrams, and they recently wrote a great substack about doing that. After I read it, I immediately emailed Marley and said, tell me everything. See, one of the things that hit me the hardest about Marley's choice was their comparison of Instagram addiction to alcohol addiction. I felt this real deep, real deep in my body and my soul. Because for me, the pull of the social medias feels very similar to the pull of things like alcohol. And that's something that I don't think we talk about enough. Marley has been very surprised about how quitting Instagram has made them feel. It hasn't all been perfect, and your creativity doesn't necessarily come zooming back to you in 24 hours. It's a process, just like everything else in life. But it's a process that is fascinating to me. And I love this conversation. I love this episode. And I love what I think it will inspire for a lot of us, which is we're probably not going to quit social media forever, but maybe we could take a break just this week. And maybe, who knows, maybe that is something that we could be very thankful for. See how I brought it back? Brought it back to the holiday? Yep. Yep. Without further ado, here is Marley Grace and what it feels like on the other side of Instagram. I'm Marley Grace. I'm a writer and an artist and I write a weekly newsletter called Monday Monday that comes out on Substack and I teach a lot of different online classes about quilting and writing and sometimes dance and yeah I'm just happy happy to be here today. I'm I'm happy happy that you're here. I loved your essay on Substack about your relationship with mm-hmm. with social media and how you finally decided it's time for it to not be a thing in your life. That's a big thing for people yeah. to decide. How did you finally say, nope, no more, I'm quitting you? Yeah, you know, I love, you know, one thing that's like, I've been, I've been sober for the last 12 years. And I think a lot about how, um, like, I loved alcohol, like alcohol really worked for me for a long time. And it, my relationship to Instagram feels sort of similar. It's like, I really loved Instagram. Like I loved, um, it's, it's lasted me the longest. Like I've, I tried Twitter before, 
I quit Facebook in like 2016. Um, so Instagram, you know, I've been using since 2012 and God, I just loved it. I love, especially like I had a dance project there for many years called personal practice Mm -hmm. where I would post dance videos and like, it wasn't just a place for me to like promote things. It was really like a, a place where I practiced my creativity. And, and, um, so I say that just to frame it as like, I've definitely been in some, like some grief of maybe like losing that space or that like canvas almost, but really Mm -hmm. it was my, um, just complete addiction to, like the interface of the app and the way the app is designed to to hold our attention that mm-hmm. no matter how much like healing around like addiction and codependency I did I just couldn't regulate it and so I really um I've been writing about this and thinking about this for years and years and years and I kind of just like you hear this in recovery communities but like I got sick and tired of being sick and tired And I kind of just went to bed one night and I was like, I think I have to leave in the morning. And I woke up the next morning and and left. And left. And that's something I want to dig into a little bit deeper, that for a lot of us, this does feel like an addiction. Yeah. That it feels very similar to the relationships that the toxic relationships that a lot of people have with alcohol and drugs and you've been in recovery how is how was it similar for you yeah i mean i think um one part that's really similar was like with drinking you know i remember going through these um like negotiating with myself like well maybe if i just drink on the weekends or if i just drink after 5 or if i just do this or if i just drink gin or if i just drink locally brewed beer Like I was like, if I make these rules, then I won't be an alcoholic or then I can drink normally. Right. And it's like you hear that this phrase of like, it's the great obsession of every abnormal drinker that they will be able to drink like a normal person. And I really feel that with Instagram, it was like I just I would give my I would have my assistant change my password. I would only log in on Tuesdays. I would do this, this and this. And it was just like. I just kept breaking my own rules or like taking it back. And so it was really similar in that way. And in this way of like, it was just pulling me from like the deep work um, that I want to focus on, which, which for me is sort of around my writing right now. And yeah, I just felt, I could feel my brain like so fragmented from the constant use and I think that's what it was more than anything was like I felt this calling to like I also felt this calling this is a little different well it's it's a little different than alcohol but with alcohol it was a little bit like life or death and with Instagram it wasn't quite life or death but it was like I wanted to see, like, can I do art and business without this thing? And can I show other people that it's possible? Just like some other people had showed me that it was possible. So, Yeah, I love that. And the comparison hits so hard for me. I mean, I think about my relationship with alcohol a lot. Both of my parents were alcoholics. And so I'm incredibly careful 
when it comes to alcohol. I, I, I drink socially. I'm a, I'm a big social drinker. I don't drink alone. I have all of these rules, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, as I get older, I cannot handle a hangover. Mm -hmm. I can't. It's just, I mean, I've got, there's three kids under six in, in, the, in, in my house. And also, I feel terrible. I have awful hangover anxiety. There's so many reasons that I should quit quit drinking altogether. And it's an ongoing conversation uh, that I have with myself. And I'm also starting to feel that way about social media, that I have almost what I would call a hangover, that I'm feeling less, the positives are are far outweighed by the negatives, that I get off of it and I just feel bad that I feel this constant sense of comparison and failure and that I'm not living up. And so the comparison to to drugs and alcohol just feels really apt for me. Yeah, I mean, I think they, um, like, I love the words, you know, emotional hangover, which we can get maybe after we, like, get in a fight with someone or we go towards anger or resentment or... Uh, you know, sometimes I feel hungover if I eat a lot of ice cream. Like, I feel like physically hungover a little bit the next day. You know, it's like sugar and dehydration will make you feel hungover. Um, and definitely my use of social media has a hangover feeling. And it, and it happens multiple times throughout the day. Like, if you're, if you're picking up, I mean, it's like with alcohol, usually you just have the one hangover the next day. But it's like with Instagram, mm -hmm. if you're picking it up over and over and over throughout the day, it's like, yeah, it's like a drunkenness and then you're hungover. And then the time. So it's not just the time that you're using and interfacing with the app. It is like you said, like with a hangover, it affects so much of our livability the next day. And it's like with Instagram, it's like that hour to hour. It's like I would be on it and then suddenly be in that like emotional hangover space immediately after and what's similar to drinking what's the best way to cure a hangover but to go back to the drug itself um that's so that way that's the craziest part of the loop and again it's like i i try to really explain to people not to sound too dramatic or conspiracy theory it's not a conspiracy but it's like the app is designed this way it's designed so that we are addicted to the validation loop so that we hate ourselves. It's like, here's 10 likes on your picture and you hate that. And so you come back for more so that your next post gets 100 likes and you're like, yes, this is what I wanted. But then the next post gets 10 again. And then we have to like keep playing with the algorithm <laughs> and that creates that kind of drunk hungover loop feeling. Yes. And I, look, I do not think that is conspiracy theorist at all to say that. Yeah. That is just truth. Like, we just know that as truth now. And the more yeah. we talk about it, I think the more we can all kind of wake up from it. The, the, these apps are designed. The, they had a lot of ancillary benefits. They had like they brought us community in so many ways. They're, they've they've helped a lot of people build businesses. I promote all of my books on there i don't know i yeah. can't quit anytime soon because i've got a book coming out in april and i'm like jesus i love this book i really want people to buy it uh you know that's a veiled veiled 
you know, moment of my begging for everyone to pre-order the Sicilian yeah. inheritance. It's truly excellent. But I love it. So I can't I can't get off. And yet, like despite these ancillary benefits, it's designed to keep us on there. It's designed to make us put more content out there so that we get more of this vague affirmation. Just so it could it can show us more ads so they can make more money. That's it. Yeah. Like they're just it is it is an advertising company that wants your attention and they're very, very good at getting that. And that's just like that's just the way that we have to talk about it all of the time. I think Um, we don't we don't have a have a choice anymore. So what were some you you made a list of your fears of getting off of the platform. And so many of them resonated with me. It was just it was a stab to the gut. I'm like, that's me. That's me. That's me. That would be me if I weren't already married. And so tell tell our audience what those fears were. What were your fears of leaving the platform? Yeah, what were my fears? I I mean, I really relate. A huge fear is I'll never get a book deal again. No one will want to give me a book advance if I refuse to use Instagram. Um, and, and I, but well, and before you go on to the next one, I want to yeah. say that's valid. Yeah, valid yeah, yeah. It's a valid. Yeah, it's a real. It's, it's a it's yeah. a real valid fear because you know I I write my own books. I also work with a lot of authors to help them get book deals. And publishers want to know your social media numbers. They want to know your social media engagement. They want to, and now and now they want Instagram, TikTok, Substack. No one really cares about Twitter anymore. But they they ask. They want to know. Yeah. And frankly, I they give out bigger book deals. They give out book deals at all if you have a social platform. I've seen incredible books rejected because the author has no social platform. Me too. I know. And so that, you know, that fear I'll speak to that was, um, I think, out of all of them. And I will say, you know, I do... I do have a digital platform still by having a newsletter. And so Mm -hmm. anyone who's listening, my number one advice for your whole life is to have an email list, whether it's on MailChimp or Flowdesk or Substack, I don't care, have an email list. So that's my like, I will die on the hill of email lists. Um, It's why I was able, it's why I'm able to leave Instagram and I'll, and I'm happy to talk more about that. But I do feel like it was a fear all my other fears, I'll quickly go over them. It was like, I'll never find anyone to date. I'll be alone forever. I won't make any money. Um, and the, I knew that those fears were more like lies, right? They were mm-hmm. like lie fears. It was like, I know I'm going to be able to make money. I will figure this out. I will find someone to date again. <laughs> like, that's just how life works. You will. Um, yes, I will. And, you know, I... Yeah. I and it's funny because like I don't think I've ever found someone to date on Instagram. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know why why they're linked, but I think it just it's it's again it's like this link of like aloneness and not being witnessed. And um, with the book thing, I think I had to. There was more of like I had to accept that rejection might happen and that I would be okay. Like, I think I had to be Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Actually, maybe my publisher won't think my Substack reach is enough and will 
not give me a, bo a book deal at all or give me a much smaller advance or or I'll have to go to like an indie publisher or I'll self-publish my next book. But the reality was I was like, you know what? I've self-published books in the past. Like a book will come out of me and it will reach the people it needs to. And it might not reach as many people. And it's that's worth it to me to not be on this platform anymore. Like it just it outweighed something like the scale tipped finally where I was just like that was one of the last reasons I was really hanging on and I just was like no I have I have to go anyways yeah yeah well, I think a lot of it a lot of it is having faith in ourselves that the that Instagram has taken away in a lot of ways because yes. we yes. see the numbers we see the likes it's it's made us believe that it's the only way, and it's not. There's so many other outlets and ways of reaching people. I've I've gotten very into old school guerrilla marketing. I yes. have printed out flyers for my book, and I put them on bulletin boards at grocery stores. I tape them to the back of bathroom stalls because there's no captive audience, like someone yeah. who's pooping. Wow, there's not. I, mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Right. And so like, there are other or, or I just talk. I just talk about the things that I'm working on with other humans in the real world. There are other ways to connect. And we've been fooled by these platforms into thinking that there's not. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So what did you what was your process? You're like, all right, I'm done. This is over for me. Did you just, did you delete everything? Like, how did you, I feel like people want a primer. It's like, it's like the yeah. morning routine for the day you quit. Like, yeah, what happened next? Um, well, let's see. I decided I turned the ability to comment off on every post um, mm -hmm. because I, w I was just like, I don't want, I don't want to like unregulated space. So I was just like, there's no ability to interact with me there. And mm -hmm. I, I made, I made it so that my, you know, my link in my bio was, you know, the homepage of my website that has like all the links and things to where mm -hmm. you can find me. And I put, I had my bio say like the name of my newsletter and the name of the two books I wrote. And I made a post that said, I'm logging off forever. I kind of like stayed on throughout the day and like read some comments. And um, I did some last minute like DMs with a few people. Mm -hmm. I think I posted in my close friends, like because I do I did make so many connections there. So in my close friends, I made like a little post with my phone number and was like, text me like I'd love to keep in touch. Um, mm -hmm. And that was really nice. I had a few people reach out and then I just logged off. Then I for about a week, I would like log in on my browser just to like kind of lurk. And then I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I can't do that. And so then I actually had. Hannah, my assistant, changed my password so that I couldn't, um, I can't go into it at all now. So yeah, I, I announced, I turned off the comments, set my p phone number to close friends list, uh, made my bio feel like strong and like it led people, it made people understand like who I am and what I do. 
I left the link there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't deactivate, which I've thought about doing that. Like, I've thought about really, but I I think it was just like, I'm going to be honest that I think it makes sense still that people can like tag me and tag Marley Grace and then people can go to the profile and click it. So I wasn't fully willing to completely disappear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm honest about, but yeah, I'm not, um, but yeah, that was my, that was my leaving. And then I just sort of, um, yeah, just went about, went about life and started to, my brain cells have slowly been reforming. We're going to take a quick break here. And then when we get back, I want to hear what it, what it feels like on the other side of this. So we are back with Marley Grace. We just talked about the day, the day you quit. <laughs> I feel like that, which I, I should write a whole, like, we, we could do this together. Again, you could, we could, we could publish anything. We don't need a publisher. Yes. No, uh, we don't. <laughs> a book of essays of just the, where, where people write their, their daily routine of the day they quit social media. I love it. You know, my friend Nicole Antoinette quit just a couple of weeks before me and she said something like afterwards it felt like she had she like couldn't believe she was allowed to or something like it was like she like laid on the floor and was like did I just like commit a crime or something like it just felt so freeing and crazy to just leave and just be like I'm done so yeah we should start collecting people's last day stories just start collecting people people's last day stories which yeah that that one's that one that one is very impactful right just that feeling of i can't believe i can't believe i got to walk away from this that's empowering is what that is so tell me about tell me about your how it felt how it felt on the other side how did how did you feel those first few days and how do you feel now yeah, you know, it it's it feels so fresh. It's I actually recorded a new episode of my own podcast um yesterday and to, to sort of talk about it and I felt the freshness of like so much is still like unwinding and unraveling like it's still mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. new to be doing to be to be off Instagram. So so it's like my my brain is still healing, but and and I actually I'm not here to say, well, there's OK, I have two thoughts. One is. I have a strong, um, you know, I'm I'm a really like opinionated left political person, and mm-hmm. I don't think and I think that in some ways Instagram makes it harder for us to share because it feels so reactionary. And so one thing I noticed is my newsletter, you know, specifically what's going on in Gaza right now, I've been able to really talk about it in a way that feels like really clear, like my values feel really clear, my opinions feel really clear, and I'm not like afraid of like getting into fights with people. Like I'm I'm really open to people having different opinions than me and engaging in those. And so I'll say that, like, one of the first things I noticed was like my advocacy and like 
commitment to like healing and social justice feels better without Instagram, which I think is interesting because I think we assume that like when we have a big platform, we need to like be shouting about everything from the rooftops. And I think that that actually like can sort of dilute the work at hand. So I'll say that's one thing I noticed is like my newsletter, I feel like got almost more radical and more political. And that feels like in alignment for me. And then the second part is actually like, I don't come bearing good news. Like I think there's actually a lot of like pain in like losing that sort of like really consistent validation. And I really see kind of like the hole that I was filling, you know, it's like in recovery, we call it like the God sized hole where it's like you try to fill it with everything, right? Like food, sex, drugs, Instagram, parties, people, a sex. I already said that. <laughs> Shopping, um, you know, whatever it is. Oh, and, oh, sex. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. And the only thing that you can actually fill it with is like God or higher power, spirit, you know, um, yourself. And so I really feel like the part that I don't have language for yet because I'm still really in it is like healing from that lack of like validation and that that part of the addiction is like I do notice throughout the day like a loneliness especially I think being single and living in a rural place it's like Instagram was really my like tether and connection to the outside world and I'm still kind of like rebuilding how to do that without Instagram. What do you think you'll do? I mean, what do you think that that will yeah. look like? What are you? What do you want? What do you want to try? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I think I think um, definitely like reading more and watching movies. Like I'm a big TV junkie, mm -hmm. and with with no guilt around that. Like I love watching TV shows. I love reality TV. Like it's so my like how I numb out, how I chill, how I relax. I love The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. Um, but I've noticed like I'm watching more movies, which feels really good. Like I feel like that's how something I'm noticing is like my attention can last for more than 40 minutes now, right? It's like I can mm -hmm. watch a movie, I'm knitting more, I'm sewing more. Like I'm definitely just trying to fill it with like with reading, reading at night, pulling tarot cards. Like I I am I think just filling it with sort of the activities that I was missing out on from just like dicking around on my phone. So I, yeah, I'm just noticing like my, I, I think the, the big win and it's, it's really slow, but is that my like attention span is coming back to me in a way that I've really, really longed for. And yeah, I want to be like walking more and being outside more. I think that's like the other antidote to addiction in general. It's just like nature. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the way you phrase it. Just the time lost dicking around on your phone. Yeah. Because so much time is lost to phone dicking around. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Because I did used to, my husband and I are always saying, oh, we wish we had more time to, like, watch TV show or movies, but we can't because of these these damn kids. Yeah. And <laughs> we cry the 
kids. I think it's time mm. lost to dicking around on our phones. Yeah. And I honestly, because or people say to me, as, like, again, you know this, as an author, I hear from a lot of people who are like, oh, I just don't have time to read books when you read books. And like, if you, t- if someone took all of the time that they dicked around on their phone, they could read a book a week. Absolutely. Um, and we're just, and like just adding up little, little minutes and the time there that feels so wasted. I mean, one of the things that I do now, again, I'm not getting off anytime soon because right now I have, to, I have to promote this book, I have to, and, and yet, I go on, I post, and I walk away. I put it down. It's actually on my to-do list. And again, this is another of like the alcoholic's favorite tricks. I'm only going to drink craft beer right. and organic <laughs> wine yeah, or beer brewed with hops that come from 15 minutes of my yeah, house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But for right now, it is working. It's better, right? It's a thing that, that is better yeah. for me. I go on. I put on my to-do list. I'm like, you have to post something on Instagram, post something on TikTok, walk away. And I'm doing that mm-hmm. and it feel it, it already feels better it's like Good. baby steps right if you yeah. can't go to go cold turkey there's nothing wrong with a baby step it's yeah. it's it's fine to try a baby step um have you how how is your creativity right now i feel like better I'm, now that you're yeah. off i feel like my writing is better than okay. it has been in a long time, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's, again, I think this is where it's just like, it's slow. It's like, it's it's just everything's coming back online, like real, it's funny mm-hmm. metaphor or thing to say, but like everything's coming back like really slowly. So I think if anyone's listening and they're like, I want to leave and instantly get my creativity back, it doesn't quite work that way. It is like this really slow and and that is where it reminds me of getting sober is like it was really slow to like get my happiness and my life back. Like it was it was like trudging a little bit at first. And so but I do feel like um, I think what is uh, like a big part of my creativity that feels better is like my ability to like research and retain knowledge and mm-hmm. comprehend knowledge mm-hmm. is getting mm-hmm. so much better quickly. Um, because again, it's like, I'm not, it's like, and here's something that's interesting too, is like, it's not just even the time we dick around on our phone. It's like mm-hmm. what that does to the attention span. I think that's what I'm suddenly like, oh, wow, right. Because it's not just the time on the phone. It's what the time on the phone does to our brains when we're off of the phone, which is like not able to retain knowledge or comprehend things or read more than a page at once. Right. And so I think that's the thing is people are like, I can't even read a book. It's not even about the time. It's about what has happened to our brains. And I think that's what I feel really strongly about being off of it right now is like it has damaged my brain in a way that like that's where I'm like I'm still sort of coming to terms with like how much healing has to be done uh mm-hmm. around it so yeah but I think um 
I have a lot of like project ideas right now and that feels really good. And I just started, I host like a digital co-working space and we just started a new season and, you know, I feel the like really good energy in the room of just like everybody who's really excited about making their newsletters and writing books and, and doing things. So I feel very like tethered also by just like my community in that way. And I'm excited to kind of see what pours out of me. How I've been meaning to ask you since I, I subscribed to your Substack and started reading more about you. How does a digital co-working space work? Tell us more about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's, you know, it's really simple. It's pretty much like alone time together. But we start the season with like a big visioning session. And so mm -hmm. we sort of go through like, what do you want to work on this season? What do you want to work on this week, this month? Um, and then how do you want to make like a menu for your day? So sort of menus are sort of you see them in sort of like the ADHD or autistic neurodivergent community of like, how can you make a menu for your day so you can sort of pick and choose as like your emotional or mental like cycles sort of go through. So we meet for two hours on Zoom. We spend the first five minutes making our menu for the two hours and then we just work together and we pop in the chat what we're going to work on. We unmute and say hi to each other. And then we just work and with the Zoom room open. And it's a lot of like, we also do something called swallow the frog, which is you do mm -hmm. the thing you least want to do first so that everything mm -hmm. else feels easier. So it's a lot of like calling insurance company, calling the doctor, setting up a recurring bill, paying my phone bill, um, calling somebody back, like just sort of these different little tasks, like avoidance tasks. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, then we just co-work together and and that's pretty much it. For We do that for in two-month seasons. So I usually do it like three times a year. That sounds so nice. It's really like, nice. Just, just really nice. Well, and people like, just like really support you. Like it's a really just like beautiful space of support. Like, you know, if somebody will put in the chat like halfway through, like, I'm really struggling to get any words out on the paper and somebody else will be like, here's a trick that's helping me today. Or somebody else will be like, I can't focus either. And somebody might like drop a playlist into the chat that's like, here's what I'm listening to that's helping me focus. You know, it's like people are just so like loving to each other. It's really, it's really cool. Well, I love that. I also, I am constantly reminding myself to swallow the frog, which reminds me that I did not call my insurance company about my physical therapy today. So, yes, there we go. There's a frog to I, swallow. There's a frog to swallow. It's things I don't want to do that I don't yeah. want to do. But I also think that's a lovely way of harnessing technology for community. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You can, you've given us so much to think about and so much to chew on and so much aspiration for what things can look like on the other side of this. Yes, good, good. And I, and I will tell you, I don't think that anyone really, like real people, actually find life partners on the social media. I met my husband in the Galapagos on a boat where there was no internet. Oh my God, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah, it's like the last person I, I dated I found at a show, at a greenhouse. The person I dated before that I ran into in the parking lot of the food co-op. It's like you mm -hmm. just... You, we find people. We find people out there. So, yeah, that's not even a real fear. Well, I think it's actually it's funny what it brings up is like um, like another thing I think I had to 
be willing to give up was like a feeling of like cultural relevance or even like community relevance. Like there's something about yes. like being active on social media and having like peers there or like almost it's like a feeling of like coworkers, like people who I follow, mm -hmm. who follow me or something is like we're in relationship to each other. And so I think there's this feeling of like, am I relevant still if I'm not there? Like, do it's almost like this sounds dramatic, but it's like, do yeah. I exist? It's like, does the tree fall if we don't hear the tree fall in the forest? It's like, it's something like that where I think, you know, having like, you know, I, I won't lie that like having a following and being like an author mm -hmm. and having this platform like makes me feel like maybe that what's interesting about me. But then I even think about my last really think about any partnership I've ever been in. Like they could care less. You know what I mean? Like, I think my partners have been inspired yeah. by my work, but I don't think they're like I date Marley because of their Instagram following. If anything, I think they it's the opposite. They're like, we don't care about that at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where like, yeah, the separation of or it's like, how does like my person who I am is so connected to who I am there? And I think that's the other thing that I'm still like kind of like untangling still is like, who am I without that mm -hmm. that like validation? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Question. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think the, the idea of relevance is something we could do a whole other episode on. Yeah, and, totally. And what it means, why we care. I had a conversation with a friend the other day who just took, she used to have a very kind of like cool public facing job that was like yeah. on, the, on the cutting edge of things. And she she <laughs> she felt like she was very relevant because of that. And now she has a, a corporate job that, you know, is not forward facing facing. No one really knows what she does during the day. And she said, she's like, I don't feel relevant anymore. And that makes me feel bad. Yeah. And interesting. I and I replied, I'm like, I what I wonder is, would I care about my quote unquote relevance if it weren't directly tied to how I could support my family? Like if right. my relevant factor, like if I if this book hits the New York Times bestseller list, I get another book deal and right. or my Substack subscribers go up or you know, people listen to my newsletter. My relevance feels so tied to how I pay my mortgage. Absolutely. Would I care about that relevance if it were completely untethered from my financial well-being? I don't know the answer to that. I genuinely don't. Um, and what has Instagram made us believe about how it is making us relevant it's yeah you're gonna have to come back i'm gonna have to have you back <laughs> on the podcast i'm happy to come back yeah i'm just like staring out the window like i'm in like a new i'm like yeah i i think i think that's that ties back into my fears of like the relevance mm -hmm. and like the yeah can i yeah i think that's a great question can i pair can I pay my mortgage and be irrelevant at the same time? Uh, no, technically. You know, that's the other thing is like I I did jump like I do have uh, it's it's back to like I didn't jump from Instagram into nothingness. It's like mm -hmm. I have this um, this email newsletter list that I can still promote my work to and still provide some relevance. So, yeah, it's it. I did some relevance hopping. So 
you know, it's not, I didn't completely jump into the void, but I'm really with you on that question and I'll be thinking about it. Yeah. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. Then let's talk again. And I, cause I want, I also want to hear more about this journey about where you are at two months out, because like yeah. you said, I don't think any of this is instantaneous. Yeah. It's not a juice cleanse, which it's also is instantaneous. Cleanse. It's not a juice so, cleanse. Which is exactly. a lovely placebo. Yeah. Um, tell, tell everyone where they can find you off the social media platforms. Yeah. So you can go to marleygrace.substack.com, which is my newsletter. And it comes out for free every Monday. And paid subscribers get my advice column. Uh, you can listen to Common Shapes, which is my podcast that comes out every Wednesday. The new season starts this November. And marleygrace.space is my website where you can find out more about classes I'm teaching and buy my books and find all the links to all the things. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was really uh, wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. This was really, I got to think about a lot of things in new ways, so mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I loved everything about that conversation. Exploring the ways that we can push back against all of the things robbing us of our attention and our time and in some ways our humanity is fascinating to me. And it is a conversation that I want to keep going with all of you. As always, you can DM me on the very platform that I shit on on a regular basis, at Joe Piazza Author. Or we can talk in real life. A listener walked up to me to say hi this past weekend while I was at Jurassic World Live with the kids. That's a real thing, by the way, Jurassic World Live. And Michael Crichton's estate is making so much fucking money. They were selling water ices, Tyrannosaurus Rex water ices for $25. They were. I mean, they've got it figured out. God bless them. God bless them. If you've got a dinosaur kid, I totally recommend going to going to see Jurassic World Live. We saw it in Allentown and Someone walked up to me and said, hey, are you Joe Piazza? And I said, yes, I am. And then we had a great chat about how the patriarchy sucks. So come come say hi if you see me out in the wild. I'm, I usually look feral and crazy and I'm chasing a small human. Like I said, I'm going to try to hop off the socials and the interwebs for most of this this week. And I really hope that you do too. Enjoy life. You deserve it. You deserve all of the things. Smooches. <laughs>